Well, good morning to all of you. It's good to see you this morning. I want to extend a very special welcome to all guests that are here in this place today. We're so grateful that you're here, and I want to encourage you to stop by our Welcome Center there in the foyer. Uh, before you leave today, we have a gift for you, and, and uh, if there is a card there in front of you in the, in the uh, pew, if you could fill that out for us and drop that off. We want to just acknowledge your presence in this place and thank God for you being here. We serve such a beautiful, beautiful God. And it is so good to be in, the, in this place and, and worshiping Him. This morning, uh, I'm sharing our pastor is, is not feeling well this morning. He, <clears throat> the knees are coming on pretty good. He's, he's doing pretty good in the knee area. I keep praying for him. He's been out, uh, for those of you that don't know, he had knee surgery and, and um, a double knee replacement. But he's coming on. And that's pretty good. Uh, but he did get somewhat of a stomach virus, he and his family, wife, and, and uh, I think Hope as well. And so we want to keep them in prayer and, and uh, be lifting them up. Um, but as a result, I'm sharing this morning. And, and so if you would open up your Bibles to uh, John chapter 14. I want you to keep a heart of worship as we go to God's Word and look at His Word. He is worthy of it all. He's worthy of our praises this morning. As you're turning there, I want to just ask you a couple of questions. How do you see God? How do you envision God? For how you answer that question will determine how you live your life. Do you see God as overbearing? Do you see him as critical? Do you see God as judgmental? Do you see God being easily swayed by public opinion? Do you see God as naive? Do you see God as distant, disconnected? You know, I think that there are a lot of us that uh, uh, we have a lot of different concepts of God and who he is. And I would dare say that, uh, that, that we might even worship the concepts of God more so than understanding that we're worshiping the true and living God and who He really is. The way we see God is, is critical to how you conduct your life and how you function in other relationships. We know that God the Father God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are one. And yet I think sometimes we, we think that uh, they are so different, and yet they're one. And they are distinct. But Jesus addresses something in this book of John that we're going to look at in John chapter 14 here. And he addresses the, the, the way that people see the Father, starting in verse 6. If you would please stand, we'll read the word together. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you do not? Come to know me, Philip. He who has seen me 
has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and in the Father in me. Otherwise, believe on account of the works themselves. Let's pray. Father, this morning we ask that you would speak to our hearts. God, we decree and declare that this word is true and pure. And I ask you, Father, that you would, by your Spirit, speak to each one of us. Open our eyes that we might see you for who you are. And God, give us more revelation of you that we might be changed and transformed. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus is speaking here in verse 7, and he's telling the disciples there that if you know me, you know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And it's really interesting because Philip pops up and says, look, Jesus, if you would just manifest the Father here in our midst, we could get this taken care of and it'd be done. And Jesus looks at him and says, basically, you're looking at him. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've, if you've walked with me, how is it that you've walked with me and not known me and the Father are one? Look at me. Look at me. If you want to know the heart beat of God the Father, you can see it in the, the life of Jesus and the way he lived. Paul writes about this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He says, and he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In Hebrews, the author there in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says this, In these last days he has spoken to us in his Son, who he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. This passage of scripture there uses the phrase exact representation. It's the, in the Greek, it's the word that we receive our word character. If you want to know the character of God, you look at Jesus. He's the exact representation. God's character, the heart of the Father, is manifested through Christ, through Jesus So this morning, as we go to the Word and as we look at the Word and we study the Word and we discover Jesus, we begin to discover the very heart of God the Father. I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. You see, when when we read our Scriptures here and we look at the Word, this is dynamic. These are not just letters on pages. But God takes it by His Spirit and begins to implant these things in us. And and the Word teaches us that we're transformed, we're renewed. As we study God's Word and see Christ revealed, there is a spiritual transformation that is actually taking place inside of us. In Mark chapter 1, verse 40, as we're looking at this passage of Scripture, we're going to see where Jesus encounters an individual. He had been speaking and going from city to city. And and the Bible tells us in this chapter that he has been healing the sick and 
There have been those that have been tormented and, and in, in bondage by, by demonic oppression. And Jesus casting out demons, it says. And, and there's one that comes here in verse 40. As Jesus is going throughout Galilee, a leper came to him, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and he touched him and he said to him, I am willing be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed, and he sternly warned him, and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, see what you say, nothing to anyone, but go show yourselves to the priest, offer your cleansing what Moses commanded for a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely, and to spread the news about to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter into the city, but he stayed out in unpopulated areas, And they were coming to him from everywhere. As we look at this passage of Scripture, and as we study this and look at how Jesus encountered people, we're going to see and discover the heart of the Father. One of the things that the leper learned here in his encounter with Jesus was this, that Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is caring. Jesus is concerned about individuals. And I want to tell you this morning here in this place, it doesn't matter what you're going through or what you're facing or what, how big of the ordeal is or how small the ordeal is in your mind. I'm here to tell you this morning that God cares about every bit of it. There's nothing insignificant to the Lord. He's compassionate and He loves you. This word compassionate means that, that He acts out of passion for you. He's compassionate and He loves you. If you're here this morning and and you've got something that's pressing on your heart or your mind, I want to assure you this morning, God cares about that. If there are things that you're facing and you're not sure what to do, I want to assure you this morning, you have a caring God who holds the answer. If you're up against a wall, and you don't know what the next step is, I want to promise you this morning that there is a God who knows everything, and He has the next step for you. And He's concerned about you, and He wants to communicate to you. Your difficulties, your struggles, He cares about. It's an interesting passage of Scripture because we read here about this leper that comes to Him and and falls to His feet there. And if you look at the Greek translation of of that description there, what it really implies is this, that the, the leper came to him and threw his arms around his feet and began to cry out to him. Now, leprosy is contagious. And leprosy is awful. It's a disease that deteriorates and eats away at your body. Leprosy is is so awful that your skin begins to rot and and the appendages in your body, because they get so uh, eat up, begin to fall off. It's nothing for for a man with leprosy to lose his fingers and and part of his hand. It's nothing for a leper to to be without feet. It's nothing for um, just parts of the body just to absolutely fall off. And yet they're able to continue to live and, and yet... Leprosy is something that doesn't just affect one area of the body, but it begins to take over the entire body. It's, it's awful. It's unclean. In the Old Testament, 
It was thought that leprosy was a sign of judgment against God. And if you were a leper, you were unclean. You were set apart. The lepers would have to go out of the city and live in a colony unto themselves because they could not interact with other people. It could be that families were separated. It could be that that in the community uh, they were pushed away. And if by chance a leper were to be around people, they were to cry out and begin to declare, unclean, 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 so that the people would not interact and commune because they were so afraid of this contagious disease. In the Old Testament, the unclean, if it touches the clean, would make the clean unclean. Let me say that again. In the Old Testament, if the unclean were to touch something that was clean, it would make the clean unclean. But this morning, I am so excited to tell you that in Jesus, it's a whole different ballgame. For if the unclean touches the clean, the unclean is made clean. How many of you did I lose on that? <laughs> For you see, greater is the clean than the unclean. <laughs> Greater is the ability of Jesus to wash you and clean you up so that you're no longer left unclean. The leprosy, physical pain, awful. But not only physically, emotionally painful. I just can't help but think about the leper and and the rejection that he must have experienced being rejected by society being scorned by everyone. The way he saw himself, hurting, broken. And I can't help but think about the hurting and broken people in this world in which we live today. There are many in this room that are hurting and are broken this morning, are struggling and dealing with rejection because of sin that you've been a part of, or because of things that have happened to you that you dare not speak of. Rejection, and fear, and worry, and I don't want to let anybody too close to me, because if I do, it's going to cause me even greater pain. And so, because of that, you're pushing people away, and you're keeping people away. And your truth is, you're really broken and hurting. And you know what? come to church and still want to keep that distance. You know, the church should be the most compassionate, loving place in the world. You know, the body of Christ, we, the church, in this place, our doors should be so open to the hurting and the broken that when they drive by there on the loop, they don't despise or raise their fist, or find themselves angry with God, but they should find themselves saying, I've got to get into that place because there's so much love and compassion and and help and care and concern. And unfortunately, that's not always the case. In the 80s, I I watched a uh, video that kind of shook me up a little bit, and some of you will know the video when I say it, probably. In the 80s, something significant happened in our society that we were introduced and and many of us discovered this new disease called AIDS. And frankly, it scared 
us to death. <laughs> and the church really didn't know how to handle it either. I remember watching this video of a lady by the name of Jerry, I believe was her name. And she took in this guy that was suffering with AIDS and talked about him and interviewed him and bandaged him and fed him and cared for him. And I remember sitting there watching this video getting so convicted because I thought, here is a woman who is reaching out to that that I'm trying to avoid and stay away from because it's dirty and it's filthy and it's contagious and I don't understand it and I'm scared of it and I just don't know. And here's a lady so full of Jesus that she's just reaching out with love and compassion and taking them in and bandaging and feeding and nursing and sharing the love of Christ. And the video goes on and talks about the transformation that took place in the man and, and she nursed him and took care of him until he passed away. That's what the church ought to be doing. That's what we ought to be doing, walking in compassion and love and, and, and the, this revelation of compassion that the leper had when he saw Jesus. He learned that Jesus was compassionate. And I want to tell you this morning, that's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of the Father. When the church has been judgmental and critical, it's because we've had a misunderstanding and honestly, we thought that God was judgmental and critical. When we've not known how to deal with people's messed up lives, it's oftentimes because deep down we don't believe that God knows how to deal with and take care of those people. I want to tell you something this morning. He's compassionate. He is compassionate. And he's very loving. The second thing the leper saw and learned was that Jesus was willing. He grabs Jesus at his legs and he, he cries out to him and he says to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Obviously, the leper had heard stories of Jesus. Jesus had passed through communities. There were people that were being delivered and saved and, and demons cast out and lives being transformed and changed forever. And somewhere, this leper had heard and maybe for a moment dreamt, maybe he could help me. So much so that... He just ran to him and threw his, his arms around him and said, would you be willing to clean me? Could you make me clean? And I love it because Jesus responded out of that heart of compassion. He said, I am willing to be cleansed. As I read this passage of Scripture, in all honesty, my, my heart is convicted. Because Jesus didn't say, you filthy, <laughs> dirty man, get away from me. Stay away from me. Get back. Don't come near me. You're filthy and dirty. Keep your distance. But he embraced him. He said, I'm willing. You know, Jesus could have said, well, go get your act together first. Go get cleaned up. Get things in order. And then come on back and you're going to see God just move in your life. Jesus could have said, straighten up so that God can move in your life. But Jesus said, I'm willing. Do you know that the truth is we are all lepers? You say, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying to you this morning that we are all dirty because of sin. You see, sometimes there is this thought that well, we've got to get our acts together so that we can come to God. And if we're not careful, church, we'll even put that on people. Oh, you've got to get off drugs before you can really start walking in the things of God. 
Oh, you got to put down that bottle and stop getting drunk every night so that you can come and have a revelation of God. Oh, you got to get your mind cleaned up and you got to, you got to, and we start putting all these things on people as to what they've got to do so that they can walk with God. And what's amazing is Jesus says, I'm willing to meet with you right where you're at. I'm willing to sit and talk with you and interact with you and meet with you for it's in the presence of God that our lives are transformed and changed. Do you know it's a lie from the pit of hell that you're going to get your act together so that you can get right with God? You're not going to get right with God when you get your act together. For it's only when you're with God that your act is changed. He's the one that does the work. There's no credit that you're going to get about getting your life straightened out and I'm going to start being a better husband, I'm going to start being a better father, and I'm going to walk with Jesus. No, you come just as you are. And God begins to work in you. And He begins to make you that better husband, that better father. He's the one that brings that transformation. It doesn't happen until you've come to Christ. But in Christ, all things are possible. And He changes everything. And I want to tell you something this morning. He is willing. He is willing. Matthew chapter 9, the Pharisees were all grumbling and struggling with Jesus because he was eating with tax collectors and hanging out with the sinners. And this is what he says in Matthew 9, verse 12. It's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but it's those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion, not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but I came to call the sinners. Folks, that's good news for all of us. I've already told you, told you that you were all dirty and ugly and filthy and sinful. That's good news. He's calling to us this morning. John chapter 3, verse 16, we know this scripture. But I want to tell you, it's the heartbeat of your Father. For God so loved the world. Hmm. For God so loved the world in its broken down, beat up, filthy state that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, oh, that's powerful, whosoever, whosoever would call upon His name and believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated His love towards us. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't that we got our act together, but God met with us right where we were in our broken down, beat up, awful state. This morning... I can't help but believe that there are broken down, beat up, hurting people in this place. And I want to come to you with good news this morning, and I want to tell you that your God is not too good to push you away and say, get it together before you come to me. For God came for you. And the struggle and the pain and the hurt that you're in. Jesus is still the same, and God's Father is still willing to help hurting people with absolutely messed up lives. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you have messed up lives? 
How many of you, you know about your messed up life and you're doing everything to can, that you can to keep people from understanding and knowing about your messed up life? Oh, don't look at me like that, church. This is church. This is church. I'm telling you, we're all a bunch of messed up people. And God is not pushing us away, but he's wanting to draw near. Third thing the leopard learned this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture is that he was able. We were singing about it earlier. He was able, all-powerful, to bring healing to the leper. Verse 42 says, And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. It doesn't take God any more power to heal a man from leprosy than it takes to set the planets in orbit. Think about that. If we serve a God Almighty who can put planets in orbit and create the universe and speak forth and stars and fill the atmosphere, everything created in a spoken word. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's, he's all, all power. He never runs out of power. He's not like us who gives and gives and gives until we're worn out and tired because our energy level drops. He's got all energy. He's all-powerful. And He can reach down to any person in their place and bring transformation and change their life. You see, we've written people off And some of us have even written ourselves off as that, well, God could never change me. God could never touch me. God would sure never be able to touch that person because they've gone too far. And I'm here to tell you this morning, He's all-powerful. He can break through and do anything He wants to do. And He can change a life. He can bring transformation. Jeremiah 32, verse 17. You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power, and there is nothing too hard for you. Nothing hard for you, God. Nothing too hard for you. Yeah, but you don't know about that marriage with the infidelity. You don't know about the pain and the brokenness and the cold heart that's been there because of it. I'm telling you this morning, God can absolutely penetrate into a marriage full of infidelity and bring healing and restoration. Yeah, but you don't know my child. You don't know my son. He is a running hellion. I'm going to tell you this morning, God can touch the hellions. Some of you I'm looking at. I heard stories about you before. You're a testimony and you didn't even know it. If God could change you, He can change anybody. My daughter. My daughter, she's broken my heart. I don't know. I don't know if she's going to make it. I don't know if it can even change. I'm here to boldly proclaim to you this morning that God's arm is not too short and His hand is not too far from reaching and taking a daughter that's in rebellion and changing her heart and restoring her You don't understand, Pastor. My wife, she is in depression. And she is in another world. I can't reach her. You can't, but God can. 
You don't understand. My husband, he's addicted to drugs and I've done everything I can. That's exactly right, what you can. But I'm here to tell you, God can in a moment change him and set him free. You don't have to be bound to alcoholism all your life. You don't have to be bound to a drug addiction all your life. God can change it in a moment. We get under the, the rule of the world and we listen to the lies of the enemy and we get all so fearful and worrisome and we forget our God is magnificent. He is mighty and He's all-powerful. And in a moment's time, He can set them free. Oh my goodness, He is the healer. He is the de- deliverer. He is the Savior. He is the one who brings transformation. He is the one that takes the lost and makes him found. He is the one who takes the sick and brings healing. He is the one who takes the dead and brings life. He's the one who restores a family, heals a marriage, and brings children back home. He has not changed. He is compassionate. He is willing. And he is able. We can learn something from the leper. I love this. Jesus said, hey, listen, I want to just ask you, don't go out and tell anybody. I'm asking you not to go out and say anything to anybody. Do you know how many times Jesus asked those people to not go out and say anything? After he would heal them or deliver them or set them free, he'd say, hey, you know, just keep it, keep it to yourself. Don't go out and say anything. Do you know every one of those people that he told that to? Do you know what they did? They went and told everybody. They ran out there and were telling everybody. Do you know why they told everybody? Because they were brought back to life. They couldn't help it. God had touched them and transformed them. And it wasn't because of some doctrine or some teaching or some kind of uh, thing that they had memorized, but it was because they had met the person, Jesus Christ, and He brought transformation. He changed everything. He gave them back their life. He gave them hope. And they couldn't help but tell everybody about it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that we would have... (laughs) I believe in evangelism classes. I believe in motivational speakers (laughs) to get you fired up to go out and tell the gospel. And I want to give you great apologetics so that when you talk to somebody, you can. But I want to tell you something. If you are on fire for Jesus because He's changed your life, you can't help but talk about it. You don't need a class with 14 lessons and an signed agreement that you're going to witness three times a week to people and making deals with God. You're just going to tell people. You can't help it. You'll go to Walmart and be talking about, look what Jesus did in my life. I was stoned out of my mind, drug out for years and years and years, and He set me free in a moment. Did you know that Jesus can do that for you? Did you know that? You won't help. You can't help yourself, but talk about it. I think about this leper. What if this leper had no hands because they fell off? What if this leper had no foot because he just because it fell off and he just had to drag himself up to Jesus and throw his arms around him? And I can't help but believe that Jesus just probably put all that back. There it is. Oh my. There, there it is. I can walk. There it is. You say, why is that significant? I'll tell you why it's significant. Because many of you are sitting out here spiritually having been ripped off. And there have been things stolen from you. The enemy has stolen things from you. And you've tried to just cope and deal. And I want to encourage you this morning that God is in the restoration business. Let me give you a scripture. Joel chapter 2 verse 25. I will give back to you what, the, the, what you lost to the swarming locusts. 
That's what that brother said on the video. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 3. God, your God, will restore everything that you lost. He will have compassion on you. And He will come back and pick up the pieces where you were scattered. See, some of you have already written off some things because sin cost you. And I want to encourage you to begin to pray and walk in faith and see how God restores it. What the enemy meant for evil, God can absolutely take and turn for good. What the enemy meant to destroy you, God can use as a platform to absolutely bring transformation and life inside of you and others that see it. There are some drug addicts in here that got set free and there are some drug addicts in here that need to meet those that got set free so they can say, look what Jesus has done for me and He can do it for you. I don't want us to just play church and be good church people. We need to understand this morning that God is compassionate, He's willing, and He's able, and it's life-changing I'm going to ask the praise team to come up right now. And I'm going to ask you to begin to ask the Lord, what does this mean for me? What does this mean to me? I have prayed for you this morning. And I just know with all my heart that there are divine appointments that God set up for you to hear that your God is compassionate. He's willing and He is able. He's all-powerful. I believe this morning that some of you are weary and you need to know that God is still on the throne. I believe that there are some of you in this place that have been so beat up by circumstances and the things of this world, you're not even sure how you got here this morning. And I'm going to tell you, it's because of a divine appointment from God Almighty. Some of you in this place, you don't even know Jesus as Savior. Well, I'm telling you, He loved you so much that He gave His life on a cross. He paid a price that you could never pay. His blood was shed to cover and wash away all of your sins. And there's not one sin too great for the blood of Jesus to wash away. It's one thing to know it in theory. It's another to know it in the heart and to live it. What kind of concept do you have of God? My grandmother had a statue of Jesus on the on the shelf and when I think of Jesus I think about that statue oh no (laughs) oh no he's alive and the truth is he's here in this place even now his presence is here and he wants to work in your heart and in your life he wants to bring transformation He does not want you to come in one way and leave the same way, but He wants you to come in and be touched by His very presence. Cling to Him.
Open your heart and ask him if he's willing this morning. And know that the one that you're calling out to is not just a theory or a good Bible study, but he's a very compassionate and loving person, our God. Father, this morning I pray that you would take simple words and a simple message and God, I pray that you would touch hearts and I pray that you would bring transformation. I pray this morning that God, you would break off lies of the enemy. Lord, I pray that your truth would begin to come forth and Lord, those things that were said to be dead, God would begin to come alive once again. Lord, those hopes and those dreams that were pushed away because of failure and struggle, God, I pray that, Lord, you would begin to bring healing and restoration and life once again. Lord, where there has been such a weariness and a hopelessness, God, I pray that you release hope in this place today. I pray, God, that you would fill your people with your spirit And that, God, we would know that you are a very loving, compassionate, willing, and all-powerful God that can change our lives and transform who we are. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place to have your way here this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.